0: All right, welcome to the Pursuit of Prosperity podcast. I'm Lance Wakefield, and today I'm here with Lyndall Woodruff from Woodruff Windows. Welcome. Good. Thanks Good. for coming. Man,
1: thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, you. Um, I'm excited. We're going to talk about uh, kind of your story coming up and uh, and a lot of sales. You do sales, sell windows, and yes, uh, dig into sales, how you sell, the psychology of sales, and how you get in people's... Um, in, into their heads so you can provide them with a solution because yes. from my experience with sales we got to extract the problems and then we can see if we're a solution or if they need to go somewhere else for a solution
1: yeah so. and, and being honest about if you're a fit or not
0: oh yeah that's uh, <laughs> that's important because if, if
1: we're not a fit I'll re- recommend you to someone
0: yep yep I love it well oh. cool let's um, let's just start tell me a little bit about um, your background how you got into selling windows and um, <laughs> we'll start there
1: uh, yeah, so windows are, are definitely the, the product that we sell, but the, really the problem that we're solving is discomfort mm. in the home. Um, you know, if your home's around 15 years old and you've got the standard metal builder-grade window, that causes a lot of problems, and a lot of the discomfort and uneven temperatures throughout your house is largely due to bad windows, and a lot of homeowners don't realize that. Yeah. You know, the, the, the go-to mentally a lot of the times is get my insulation looked at get my AC looked at, it's 80 by this window, it's 70 by, you know. Yeah. But uh, the big majority of the problem is the window. Interesting. So that's really, I fell in love with it, honestly, in 2019. My grandfather was a commercial contractor in Dallas. Okay. He built a lot of Irving. They were brick masons. Oh, wow. Like all the old Woolworths and public libraries, uh, Nimitz High School in Irving, my grandfather built all that. Wow. So my dad uh, grew up laying brick for him. When he was twelve, he started laying brick for my granddad. It's a great
0: age to start laying brick. Oh yeah,
1: gotta live the '60s. Man. Teach you some work ethic, yeah, right, oh, there yeah. right there. yeah, and my granddad, he was the guy that would he would show up on site, you know, not to bird dog the workers, but he really loved the process, so he liked to watch the guys work. But if one brick was out of line, he'd take a sledgehammer and knock the wall down and make you do it again. Like we don't cut corners. We do that. this right. The first time yep because it's it's gonna cost us a lot more money down the road if we make mistakes and have to redo things yeah so my dad absolutely. was my dad was ingrained with like hardcore do it right customer service make sure it's perfect the first time because i don't want to go back and clean up all them bricks dad yeah for real <laughs> i so mean that's a that's
0: a real thing too in construction yeah. man like we've had homes where the foundation work wasn't done properly, and we finished the home, and then we go back and get it inspected, and floors are uneven, and guess what we got to rip out? The whole house. Yep. Like Cabinets, counters, backsplash, floors, all has to go out, and we got to do it all again. And paying for all that twice... Because one person decides to cut a corner. Yep. They did something, yeah. you know, n- not correctly. it didn't do it right the first time. I'm trying mm-hmm. to find, you know, a yeah. nice way to say it. Yeah. But it's just, man, it is... It is terrible when those corners get cut, especially foundation or brick. Yeah, like those those structural aspects of the home. Like once once you, it's like, I mean, not to get all like biblical or anything, but building on a on the rock foundation versus right. the sand foundation, you know that 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 still holds true today. 100%, like it you, will you, not yeah. go well. <laughs> we we want to build
1: the Solomon Temple, regardless. Yes. No matter what area of life it mm-hmm. is, you know, structurally sound. Absolutely. Within spiritually, physically, all that stuff, and you know, so we were the, the the importance of the quality, of course, seeped into my dad. Really random. He he decided he wanted to cut hair in the late '60s. Being a barber was the the hit thing. That's really thing cool. To do. That's very different. Yeah. So my, my dad Brick grew up in barber. the uh, Pleasant Grove area. Okay. Of Dallas. Yeah. Got his first barber shop, I think, in 1972, I believe, at at Bruton and Buckner and. F- quickly became the most popular hairstylist in the whole area. Huge clientele. um, And things were rocking and rolling. And then in 1982, storm windows were the big thing. Vinyl siding had just come out. One of his hair customers was an installer. It was real drafty um, through the bay window at our home Mm -hmm. um, by the breakfast table. So wintertime, people were wearing their robes and could could feel the air coming through. So my dad was talking to the installer about it, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm factory direct. I'll I'll just charge a cost and come put the windows on and get you some nice siding. So, you know, my dad did that, and he loved it so much and the transformation and how it felt now by the table. Yeah. Like, we can eat in comfort. So he just said, hey, I think I would like to start this as a side business. And my dad had some construction background. It wasn't Obviously, just, yeah. just random barber wanting to do some windows, uh-huh. you know. Um, so that's what they did. They built a little, my dad had a really cool barbershop with a like a, a really neat waiting room with a fireplace and foosball and, you know, just kind of man-caving it out. That's cool. And so he built a little window display and put some brochures out. He got uh, signed up for a, a, a local account at one of the manufacturers. And he's like, well, let's just see if anybody bites. And that first year, he didn't even advertise. He didn't tell anyone. He just built the display and put the brochures out. And him and that installer did 80 jobs that first year
0: wow, in 82. That's like a job and a half a week.
1: Yep. They were killing it. And and so since 82, there was periods of time my dad stopped and and didn't do any of it. You know, five kids, yeah, pretty crazy busy Mm -hmm. owning a business, five kids, la, la, la. But since 82, it was always a hobby for my dad. And he really loved providing the same experience that he received. Yeah. With his friends and and other local homeowners that were having the same discomfort issues. Mm -hmm. So it really just goes back to the comfort level in your home, uh, the peace and serenity you want in your home with your family. Yeah. Um, With with good windows, it really transforms everything about the entire environment, Mm -hmm. the feel, the sound dampening, even temperatures, uh, just everything. It makes a huge difference. So I guess the next question would be how in the heck did I even end up?
0: yeah so it's 80 (laughs) in the 80s he starts doing this Mm -hmm. and fast forward to 2019 you're saying you got super interested in you know this business specifically Mm -hmm. filling the gap man
1: well that was a wild card man i mean there's a huge crazy gap at the the age of three i was i started singing in church and i was always on stage and i was always a new character i was either the lone ranger or i was the karate kid or i was you know marty mcfly from back to the future i was joey mcintyre from new kids on the block I got the hairdos. I wore the outfits. I always was loved to just entertain people. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents just kind of, oh, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, and, you know, I all through I did some musical theater and stuff like that. And then, um, I, I, I right after high school, I ended up, I ended up taking this job. Um, as, as actors tired of waiting tables. I did the whole waiting tables thing, bartending Greenville Avenue for a while, and. Um, I, I, I started partying in high school really hard. You know, most people in in high school they they dabble, they experiment. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, alcoholism and addiction is a really real thing, and it does yes. not discriminate. So
2: no, if, it does not.
1: If you start dabbling, that's what I tell everybody. I've 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 spoken at some schools, and if you start dabbling, there is a chance you could become dependent.
0: Yeah, There's especially the younger you are.
1: A hundred percent.
0: I mean, your brain is still. Forming up to, to, to twenty five, so even the yep. drinking age at twenty one, you start drinking at twenty one. There's a lot of people who don't drink till they're twenty one and become alcoholics quickly. But yeah, it's very. Yeah. Uh, and, and then certain people have a predisposition to it for sure as well. Absolutely. But it's a very. I mean, you are literally like the um, the saying, "You're playing with fire." I mean, drugs and alcohol, especially pre twenty five, you are playing with fire.
1: Yep, and they sh- they they uh, masterfully campaign. Very well towards young people. Yep. Uh, so marketed, it's it it blows my mind. It baffles me. I don't get it. I don't really get how something that is so branded to be a part of our culture can result in very bad repercussions and mm-hmm. also uh, being disbarred from your community. Yeah. It, it's just interesting to me how how much it's branded and popularized, yet how much you're ostracized if it takes a hold yep. and things happen as a result.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, you watch TV now, like you watch shows, and there's depends on what you watch, obviously, but there's plenty of shows that aren't like, hey, we're going crazy partying, but they're just, you know, people interacting, and in many of the interactions, they have a drink in their hand. Yep. And, you know, I'm sure it's not real alcohol on set and stuff, but yeah. they're definitely implying that it's normal to be drinking all the time. All the time. And it's And it's always
1: a scotch. Yeah. You know, it, the Netflix show comes on and it yeah. says, uh, warning, the, this episode contains suicide stuff, uh, substance abuse. It never says regular drinking no. that can ultimately destroy your life. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> None of that. It, it blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, but when you get in trouble as a result of alcohol, man, they stick it to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I had to go away several times. Um, so.
0: So how long did that period last? Started oh, in high oh, school, it sounded like.
1: Yeah, started in high school, got real bad early twenties. Uh, well not early twenties, 17, 18, 19, 20 was real bad. I Mm. mean, little bit of everything resulted in a lot of some things Mm -hmm. that just, I, I was, a, just a walking zombie, um, ingesting whatever chemical I, I don't know. I don't know if I was trying to numb pain from childhood trauma that, you know, that I experienced, um, There's so many things that I look back on now that I'm on the other side. I don't want to say the other side of recovery because there's no other side of recovery. However, there is the trenches and there's recovery. Yeah. And there's a lifestyle of trenches and there's a lifestyle of recovery. And I will say the lifestyle of recovery produces the best results
2: Mm -hmm.
1: out of anything else. Yeah. Recovery in God, man. Like I've tried everything. I've researched everything. I've been to different temples and gurus and masters and you know i, I spent mm-hmm. 12 years in la and i mean uh, my goal right I coming out of high school and partying i talked about the the actors tired of waiting tables thing i could not keep a job waiting tables i got hired i fired effort everywhere j pepe snuffers Pluckers, I mean, everywhere you can imagine. And
0: was it because was it you weren't showing up or you were showing up intoxicated? or Showing
1: what? up intoxicated. That'll do it. Um, I remember Christmas Day, <laughs> bartending at Snuffers on Lower Greenville.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I, I was blacked out behind the bar. And I made like 14 drinks that were sitting in the service well that had no destination. And I knocked them all off out on the floor. And I only know this because the manager told me later. But I knocked them all out on the floor, just glasses shattered everywhere. And the manager pulls me out from behind the bar and sits me at a table in the middle of the whole dining room. There's people sitting all around us. And he's like, what are you you doing? And I just grabbed the sugar caddy and pulled it to me and said, I need sugar for my bourbon. And I passed out at the table in the middle of my shift. And he just let me sleep there. Wow. (laughs) It's Christmas Day and there's people eating Snuffer's burgers around and this dude's just passed out at the table. I, I came to and... Tried to go back behind the bar to finish my shift. And he was like, what do you do?
0: Get out of here. Yeah, seriously. Fired. But
1: I I mean, dude, the the whole thing about restaurants, it's a party atmosphere. Oh, it
0: absolutely is. And
1: if you can't keep a job, Mm -hmm. waiting tables, or bartending, you have a serious problem.
0: Yeah. Serious. Absolutely.
1: I was running from something. Mm -hmm. And it took me a lot of years to figure it out.
0: How'd you figure it out?
1: A lot of therapy. A lot of therapy, a lot of 12 step support, a lot of working with different sponsors, a lot of uh, different rehab, lots of jail, lots of.
0: uh, Sounds like you hit rock bottom and then got drug along the bottom for a while. Man,
1: I was underneath (laughs) the rocks.
0: Yeah. For long periods. What? Scratching and clawing. So, what was one thing that I've heard? So, first of all, I feel like everybody has addictions. And yeah. everyone wants to pretend like oh because i don't have that addiction i'm better than whoever does have the said addiction but it's like well no like you were just found this to be your coping mechanism rather than that like no one's going to judge some someone who's morbidly obese and be like oh you're you're a waste of a human like you're as bad as a heroin addict you know they, yeah that's not how people feel but it's they're using that dopamine to cover whatever it is they're trying to cover rather than deal with it. So everyone finds different ways to cope. You know, yeah. shopping, gambling, stealing, drugs, alcohol, swiping, sex, scrolling, porn. Yeah, swiping, scrolling, <laughs> avoiding, walking, running. I mean, there's yeah. hundreds of ways or yeah. things to become dependent on. And some of them are very good for you, like exercising. It's a great coping mechanism. It's also great for you and does a bunch of other good things. But that's something that I feel like you discover in recovery. Not something that most people uncover in in the trenches, as you said, yeah, so what was the the catalyst for you to get to to actually get out of those trenches, get off rock bottom think what what is there a moment where you're like
1: all right there's a gazillion man, and there's been there's been aha moments and relapses and aha moments and relapses i, I i'm what i'm what the the I'm what the twelve step book calls the chronic relapser mm Um, And most of it has to do with self-worth. There was a long period of time in L.A. that um, I was sober 98% of the time. It was more of a, as I got closer to a goal or a dream or a meeting or whatever, because I was always on this crazy pursuit. You know, when the whole waiting table thing didn't work out for me in, in Dallas, I made a declaration to all my friends, that I was gonna, I was gonna go to Hollywood and I was gonna get famous, and prove all you guys wrong because they're saying you're such an idiot, you can't stay. So yada yada, yada and they just all laughed at me, mm. including my managers. Yeah, you know, I won't say them by name, but a manager at Papacitos in Richardson used to make fun of me all the time. You're not gonna amount to anything. You're just a waste of whatever.
0: So all of those voices kind of overpowered your own internal voice, and you allowed that to lower the self worth.
1: Absolutely, and. You know, I, I've, I found this thing in the Observer that said, actors, tired of waiting tables? And I was like, yes. And it was a really big ad in the classifieds. And I just so happened to slam a glass of scotch on the ad when I saw it. <laughs> I was at Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> looking at this Observer trying to find a job. I had just gotten fired from Plucker's Wing Bar. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> you can't keep a job at a wing bar. Yeah. Good Lord. So I'm like, well, I just... Blah, blah, blah. So I find this thing, actors, tired of waiting tables. And what they did... They, uh, they did little live infomercials inside of Kmart um, all over the country. Mm-hmm. They hired actors to learn the script to do the product demonstration. So the Wow before it was the Wow. the same factories in Germany make that stuff. And, of mm-hmm. course, people white label it and have different names for it. So I auditioned for this job. Uh, got the job and ended up being a traveling infomercial, live infomercial guy. That's
0: kind of cool. Peddling
1: the wow, or it was the Magic Cloth is uh-huh. what it was called then, all over the country.
0: That's cool.
1: And it just, it 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 opened up so many, uh, of course, it was like 10 days of work, four days of party, 10 days of work, four days of party. And I traveled with a and little small team. Yeah. And all over. And I all mean, over. You know, I'm making great money in my early 20s, no responsibility, and no, not even a real boss, like, the structure of this company was just outlandishly wild, because the guys that started it are from the carnival world.
0: They're, oh man!
1: And they, and they they went from carny to product demonstration to now taking the 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 fair thing to retail stores, and it was so. And now it's second generation, run by the son of the guy that started it. Who's kind of you know, cool. Though. Probably eight years older than I am, or something, you know, ten years older than I am, something like that. So he's about in his early 50s. But it was just insane because I ended up going all over the place and that job took got me to LA. Okay. And my my thing was I wanted to be a stand up comedian. I, I loved watching stand up my whole life.
0: Who's your favorite comedian?
1: Um, favorite comedian of all time's probably got to be. I don't know, man. That's tough. I would have to say either Mitch Hedberg or I was always. A huge fan of Bill Cosby's comedy. It was just brilliant. Uh, it he was, was clean. He was family friendly, and I'm talking, you know. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, like the, in in the 80s, it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, Richard Pryor's complete opposite of that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, super vulgar. I never really appreciated the super vulgar stuff. Yeah, me neither. Um, I, I didn't really find like it. It, it to me if you can be clean like Brian Regan. I don't know if you are familiar with I've Brian Regan. I've heard of Brian Regan. Oh, my gosh. He is hilarious, and he's squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. To, to me, I love that. You, you can get up and make people die in stitches of laughter without being vulgar. You've got some true freaking talent.
0: I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I really, really wanted to do that. That was my main thing, and I ended up in L.A. And 2004 was my first time on a, on a comedy club stage, and I was just hooked. I got laughs my first time. Um Started doing stand up pretty pretty regularly and ended up having to leave LA a couple different times because of alcohol. I got fired from that company probably ten times.
0: <laughs> the the traveling company, yeah, the
1: traveling company. And since it was fired ten oh, times, yeah. since it was rooted in carnivorous activities, uh huh, they would just find bring your you way back, back oh, in. Yeah, yeah. It, it
0: was just. Were you doing good? Were you doing sales? Were you doing well? Yeah. Like when you were out there, you do well.
1: No, I was doing well.
0: Man, like yeah. so that's something that's really interesting. Is like uh. As a, as a boss, it can be very difficult, or, or a company owner. It's like when you have somebody who is toxic but performs, it's like, oh, that that really is a stretch of your being to, like, fire them, right? Because they're bringing in money, mm-hmm. but there's a toxic element, whatever that may be, yeah. whether it's, you know, addiction or... Culturally, or whatever, mm-hmm. they, and to have the uh, the gall to let them go and keep them gone is tough. Like, I've I've had this battle many times where we've got someone who can perform well, but there's some pretty big drawbacks, and it's like, well, what impact is this having on the company? And Carneys probably aren't doing that evaluation too often. Not They're too like, often. oh, you're 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 selling, so. Yep. You made, you made a mistake here, but uh, I'll let you keep selling.
1: Yep. And, and that happened a number of... I mean, the stories there are outlandish. I, I, I really would love to sit with a ghost writer and just tell all these stories and just put out many memoirs. <laughs> I even have a freaking title for it. It's Memoirs of Magic and Misfit. There you go. True Tales of an Alcoholic Pitchman in Constant Pursuit of the Hollywood Dream. Because it there are stories... Got, I've got... Witnesses to everything. Every story that I would Mm. share, witnesses galore. (laughs) Um, And and people tell me that all the time. They're like, dude, you are still, how are you still alive? Like, you are a miracle upon miracle. And the fact now that I'm a dad to a little girl that's about to be one is just mind-blowing to so many people. I'll get calls, you know, from old school friends. They're like, man, seeing what you're doing with that girl on Facebook, like watching your transformation mm-hmm. and the things that are going on in your life and the happy, like how happy that little girl is, and it's just mind blowing.
0: Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, I'm so happy to hear that. I, I
1: live in a lot of gratitude. I think that's really the place where the most magic can happen is is an attitude of thankfulness.
0: You know, what I heard the other day hmm. is that, and um, so there's a part of our brain that uh, where anxiety resides. And that's also the part of the brain where gratitude resides. Mm-hmm. And so, when we have gratitude, do you know what we can't have is anxiety? Right. They can't both exist simultaneously. And when you think about it, it makes sense. Like, who do you know that's super grateful and super anxious? No one. No one. Yeah. And even in, in in everyone has moments, right? Moments of anxiety, moments of gratitude. But when you're in a moment of gratitude, if you reflect on that moment, when you're really grateful for what, like, you're you're saying, how about, how grateful you are for your daughter right now? Yeah. When you're in that zone. You can't feel anxiety. And, you know, I'm, no, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an expert, but anxiety, depression, um, those are ways of that we use to explain low self-worth, low self-esteem, like all these different um, things that create that, that void that we're trying to fill with whatever addiction it may be. It's all rooted in, in these different areas. And if we can find the cure for whatever is ailing us, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to diagnose you and say, hey, you had anxiety and now this gratitude is, has fixed it. But so anxiety, anxiety anxiety plays a role, right? Yeah. For, I would think that anyone who's dependent on something, anxiety is going to play a role. And depression and self-worth, all these different things, they're going to have their, their roles. They might not be the main thing, but probably it's not helping. Anxiety doesn't help anything. Okay. So by having that gratitude, we can at least remove that element while we're in that state of gratitude. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating, and it, I found it true in it my is, own life. Once I reflected really cool. on it, I was like, "Oh,
1: yeah." And if we do, it's it's a it's a muscle that that you can Absolutely. develop stronger and stronger and stronger, so you can live from that place longer and longer and longer mm-hmm. with 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 ease. Because yep. it's like a it's like it becomes your mo, but yeah. It becomes your operating system as opposed to something you have to attempt.
0: Exactly. To do and well, it's
1: taken a lot. Of
0: So our brains, uh, I've heard it described that our brain, when we're born, is like a giant pile of dirt, right? Then what happens is we start acclimating to our environment, whatever that environment is. And that Mm -hmm. environment would be how we could look at that through this analogy is like rain. So rain starts falling. And what starts happening in that pile of nice, soft, fresh dirt? Like trenches start forming. And that water starts going through that trench. And as the water goes through that trench, it wears that trench down and makes it deeper and wider. The same thing happens in our brain. So when we use these addictive substances or, or not even substances, just these addictive methods of dealing with life, mm-hmm. we we fortify that pathway. And so by then fortifying like a pathway of gratitude or patience or whatever, you and if you never practice that, you're not going to be patient, or you're not going to be grateful. But once you start practicing that and living it, you stop putting water down that trench that's been going down with whatever you're using to avoid and you start putting water down that trench of gratitude or patience or whatever it might be mm-hmm. and as we can fortify that trench the old one will fill in yep and it it doesn't all completely fill in it's always there's always going to be a scar there there's always going to be a pathway but if we can make the new pathway deeper then we're rewiring our brain our brains and we're using what's called neuroplasticity mm-hmm. that our brains all have it just gets gets weaker the older we get it takes yeah. longer to for those trenches to form so the longer we stay in our addictions or our problems the deeper those trenches get and the harder it gets to fill them in and and, and form the new healthier pathways yeah. and i just like as i've learned about this i've just become so convinced that if we can find early in our lives ways to, you know, cultivate gratitude and patience and charity and these other virtues that are that are sought after, we can avoid some of that pain or a lot of that pain Absolutely. and avoid those those pitfall trenches that can really take us down. And our brains are very powerful. You know, we can control them. It just takes a lot of work.
1: Massive. And I, I think one of the biggest things about what you just said is one one thing that I like to touch on a lot whenever I speak is you know, we, we have to realize how powerful the mind is, and that old saying, "What uh, garbage in, garbage out." Mm. It's not a cliche. Yeah. Phrase. It's literal fact. Yep. And the fact that what's popular is poison,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and what's real is ridiculed. Yes. In our society, not by chance. You know. Yep. Uh, and I believe each of us, as a, an individual, has a responsibility to ourselves to make conscious decisions on what we read, what we watch. And we actually have that ability much better nowadays because we Absolutely. can we've got YouTube we can we can use that device literally to change our lives.
0: Control everything that comes into 100%. our life. 100%. Yep.
1: There's no mainstream programming that it, that is just is yep. that this is the way and you got to absorb it anymore. Mm-hmm. We grew up that way. Yep. Like the last few decades have been mentally mesmerized
2: mm-hmm.
1: by media wow that's three m's mentally mesmerized by media i like that yeah
0: i like that mentally
1: too. mesmerized by media and it's it's because it's been kind of shown to us like this is normal life yes <laughs> it's it's created such a disoriented lifestyle yeah in the in the percentage of population when i was in when i was in prison um i had, I had to go to prison Oh yeah, a treatment program for for people with special needs mm-hmm. in a in a prison. It was a very interesting place to be. I believe a, a, a treatment program. I'm sure, for the there's people a bunch of good stories in your needs. memoirs oh, that are going to come from that, man. Well, you know, when I was there, I, I remember writing this uh, writing this quote down. I had this little quote book, and I, I was the quote guy in the dorm. I would write quotes, positive quotes, on the whiteboard every day. Um, I, I read 142 books when I was there. All I did was work out and read and journal. That's it. I, like like, that. I really, really, really made it a point it was that event you asked earlier what the turning point was that was the hugest the wake-up call
0: that's really interesting because I mean working out physical activity that we know now that when you anytime you move your muscles it releases antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication more powerful than anything you can get on the market yep so right there you're you're improving that mental health yep and then journaling if I mean journaling you're you're releasing. Right, but you can also be, you know, releasing gratitude and doing a lot of good things when you journal. Yeah, and then reading, where you're bringing in good material, not garbage in, yep. good stuff coming yep. in. Yep. Man, that's a that's a great recipe for turning your life around. 100%. Those three things.
1: Zig Ziglar said it best: "You are who you are, where you are, and what you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change who you are, where you are, and what you are by what you put into your mind." Absolutely. And it's 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 not. An opinion. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's universal, old principle style fact. Yeah. What you put in that brain, it's like a garden. What you plant in there
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you continue to put more of it in, it's gonna produce results based on that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: So I have like really made it a point now that I'm a dad, especially to a little girl, in today's day and age,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I've been real intentional about. You know, the things I read to her, when my TV comes on, what's on the TV, you know, just being lots of Mozart, you know, just really trying to give her her best shot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: because what's flooded out there, man, is not conducive to positive no, results. And I remember writing this quote when I was in there in my little book and it said, it said, you know, be careful, be careful who you take advice from because <laughs> the percentage of of the population's perceptions are products of poisonous propaganda.
0: Yep,
1: 100%. I like to do letter plays, if you notice. That a I, yeah, that was a good
0: one. <laughs> have you heard of uh, a guy named Gabor Mate?
1: No, I have not. So
0: he's a, he's a psychologist, brilliant guy, um, kind of like, like maybe a Jordan Peterson type guy. Mm-hmm. But he, um, uh, he's got a, some really good books and things I've read, and one of his positions is that Um, exactly what you said. So we have a, um, so if we take a, a Petri dish and there's toxicity in it, whatever's in the Petri dish will die. Right. And so he, he said, okay, so that's science. If we look at our country as a Petri dish and our culture as a Petri dish, and if we're inputting toxins, people and mostly children will die. And we have the highest mental health rates, highest suicide rates, highest depression rates. We have school shootings. So his conclusion is we have a toxic culture.
1: A hundred percent.
0: And that's exactly what you're saying. We're feeding in these these toxic things, and they're basically breaking down or wiring the brains of our children incorrectly. And yeah. I don't know if incorrectly is the right, but not, in my co- opinion, not conducive to yes, success. exactly. In my opinion, it's incorrect. Yeah. In, in such Absolutely. a way that these kids are having to deal with things that I never even heard of when I was a kid. Absolutely. Like, like I remember the first school shooting was Columbine. And I was, I don't know, I was 99, I want to say? Yeah, senior year. Yeah. It was 1999, I think. And it, it's like, that's where, the, that was the first time I've ever even heard of a school shooting. And everyone was like, oh, that was a freak thing. It'll never happen again. And then mass shootings started happening. And they've kept happening. And it, our culture has just continuously kind of declined more and more from there where I had heard of depression around that time, you know, I'd heard of it. It was a thing, but I didn't know anybody who had it. I didn't know it was an actual thing that like a lot of people deal with. And now it's like, well, I mean, I think it's like a third or something. Like yeah. one in three people are depressed. Yeah, There's three of us in the room right now. One of us is depressed. Yeah. It's like, What? Like, uh, and, and anxiety is the same thing. And then if you've got anxiety and depression, it's like, you're looking at half, half the population is mental health and 75% of people are taking prescription drugs daily now yeah. and all this crazy stuff that's happening. And it's like, man, that is
1: tragic. And the main, it sounds kind of wonky when I say this, but in, in really the main culprit <laughs> that kind of created this whole spread was Everything being highlighted in the media. Mm. It, it's so weird. Like, you could, if you trace it back to how things were kind of pre television, mm. you know, they just had radio. Yeah. Like, there were some certain things getting out. But vis- visuals, man, because that's where the subconscious operates, is in vi- visuals, yeah. images. Mm-hmm. And it's it the way that it's transformed over the years, you could literally follow the trend of the culture following what was being shown because more people would see that and jump on that way of whatever people are. Okay. So the mind is influenced.
0: Absolutely. Influence is everywhere. Yeah.
1: And the more influence that goes in the, because it starts with perception, right? Our our thoughts or our belief system, right? Mm -hmm. It really starts with perception. It's a perception that trickles down. Your perception kind of your thoughts come from that place. Whatever
0: your perception will dictate your reality.
1: Right. Whatever yes. your perception is is going to dictate the thought that pops up. Most of the time, you know, the action follow the feeling follows the thought. Yeah. Feelings are produced from thought,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: the action results. So, when you're when you're putting focus on a certain thing and you're putting energy on that, that that becomes a perception,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which dictates the thoughts. So, when things started getting really highlighted in the media of poisonous, bad, negative, horrible, this is terrible, people put more focus on negative, horrible, terrible, which twisted perceptions, which creates a different thought pattern, which creates a different action, which creates a different result. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It all—it's a giant chain. I mean, you know?
1: l- like, m- uh, I learned some things working in L.A. Uh, I worked in—I uh, did a lot of different things in L.A. Worked with a lot of different circles of people, uh, some pretty very highly influential people. Mostly in the in the music business, I ended up in the music business for a while, um, kind of on an executive level, and and worked with some labels and mostly in the top forty realm, hip hop, top forty R and B, uh, which is kind of the 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 mainstream that kind of is tied into everything that we know as culture, mm-hmm. right? Like so it's tied into sports, it's tied into to whatever, and I learned some things about the music industry, and the The games that are played, specifically for mind effing, if you will, that's uh-huh. um, really dark and messed up. I'm really glad I ended up out of there. Yeah, and and relapsed the way that I did and how I did is a horrible story. I don't even want to share the story. Very terrible scenario. Um, had to leave to to save my own life. I mean, it was it was bad. I ma- made a lot of stupid mistakes. Partnered with some wrong people. Really messed up, bad and blew oh, a really big business deal that made a lot of people mad and Yikes. i I had to come home yeah i had to come home to save my life because i was literally about to lose my freaking mind um oh. and but i but i learned some things man i don't talk about it a whole lot because it comes off as like conspiracy sounding mm-hmm. but man the, the the intricacies involved on a high level ultimately starting with the entertainment industry is freakishly crazy
0: Man, I just heard this morning about a uh, a casino that got opened up in Vegas. But it's a little bit different kind of a casino and it's it's funded by 73 different companies. Wow. Mostly tech companies, media companies and then casinos. Wow. And it's there to study human behavior. How do we get people more hooked? And when you look at like phones, for example, <laughs> people are already so hooked. Oh my god. And then you, I was thinking about it, I was like, what chance do my children stand when you've got 73, I mean, a lot of these are like Fortune 500 companies and stuff, multi billion dollar companies all trying to figure out how to get people pulled in further <laughs> to whatever it is that they are selling. It's utterly And insanity, it's like, dude, man. you've got to, like, the amount of protection. I have four kids. Mm-hmm. We just had our fourth kid like a month ago. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So thanks. It's awesome. It, it's, but it's it, the same. It's also, it is awesome. It's also a lot of responsibility. And you got to think, like, how, how am I going to help these kids to navigate this? When, you know, these statistics show that, you know, there's a good chance that one of my kids is going to have serious mental health issues, and there's a really good chance that they're going to you know, start struggling with all these different things that are really foreign to to me. Like growing up, I grew up, I, I was ducked and weave. I guess a lot of those big problems. I had my fair share of childhood trauma, but yeah. luckily I avoided anything that was going to really derail me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I just I feel like that's a big responsibility as a, as a father is to help them get to a point where they can make it on their own. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's
1: yeah what I'm and thinking. I think my, my number terrifying. one my number one goal as of right now being a new father is be very specific about who I surround my daughter with, where I take my daughter, and what I put in my daughter's brains at least for the first four to five, six years. Yeah. It just be so intentional because mm-hmm. that time is so crucial,
0: so formative, so
1: for, yeah, mm-hmm. big time. I think you know, Harvard medical studies are pretty crazy as far as subconscious development, yeah, percentage of belief system, you know, zero to four. Yeah, by the time you're four, 50% mm-hmm. of what you believe to be true about yourself and about the way the world works and other people is already programmed,
0: yeah, in your subconscious. So, well, and that's like that's why it's so important that children are born into uh a household with, you know, a mom and a dad and, uh, or two parent household. And, um, uh, one thing that I learned relatively recently is the effect of a young child, like pre one year old. So younger than your child's age and younger mm-hmm. of being, not being with their mother, like it ruins their brain. Yeah. Like that, that time with mom is like when a baby is born, they don't, they think they're their mom. They don't realize they're a separate being, yeah. and if they're removed from their mom, it's like they're removed from themselves. And that self worth and self love and self awareness, all of that part of self is yeah. formed there in the beginning. And when mom isn't there to help it form, it doesn't form right, and it creates a lot of problems. You know, big
1: challenge for me right right now. My wife's in prison. Oh, my my baby was born at a. Born in prison. Yeah, well, not. In, I mean, they transfer. Yeah, you they to transfer out. Yeah, so. Just,
0: but the baby's well, been with you the whole time. Yeah,
1: since that's she what, was three years old. I mean, yeah. so and we we go see. We've we get regular visits. That's know. really
0: good. So, you being with your father is as good as it gets if mom's not there. Yeah, like there is no being with someone who you are a part of is the best solution when mom can't be there. Yeah. So you're doing everything you can. Yeah, hundred percent. And with everything you said, you're doing. You know, it's not like. I wasn't around my mom. So I was I was adopted at 4 days old. Oh wow. So I, I actually met my biological mom when I uh, like the week before I turned 30. Wow. So 30 years no contact whatsoever. That's wild. And um it's it, it 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 is very wild. And um now that I I have the now that I have contact with her, it I've just done a lot of learning about like what did the, like what impact did adoption have on me? And now I know like, oh wow. Not that I don't support adoption, like mm-hmm. abortion versus adoption, hundred percent adoption. Pro adoption. Yeah. Yes. But um <laughs> yeah. I don't think killing a child is is the solution. But
1: yeah, let's at, get them a family. There's yeah. plenty of them out there that, yeah. no, that uh, can't have one that would love one.
0: Absolutely. And okay. adoption is a phenomenal method to deal with a, a child that someone can't raise or that was born somewhere parents die or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a great mm-hmm. method. However, there are things that the parent and the child, as they come of age, needs to be aware of. That it's like, hey, you're gonna have a propensity for these things. Like you need to watch out for, um, you know, it's gonna you're, you're gonna struggle with different things because of what, how you were raised. Yeah, and absolutely. so same thing with your child. It's not like you can't overcome it. It's just like, hey, I need to be aware of the things that can arise because of how the child was, uh, was raised, but um yeah they're going off on like a total tangent here so let's let's circle back I around yeah me too I like talking about this stuff but um me I want to talk a about sales bit. a little bit and yeah um so right now you've you you inherited so after all of this you know la and everything <laughs> so bring us up to like 2019 where you got uh passionate about sales and windows and
1: yeah yeah so okay I I've, I've been back uh in in Texas now for about 10 and a half years okay about 10 and a half years And when I came back, of course, I still was on fire for uh, anything entertainment related. I still felt it was my calling. It was my passion. It was my purpose. Mm -hmm. I'm still meant to be famous, especially when I destroyed everything in L.A. Then I got that fire back again. And I went from living in a big house in L.A. to waiting tables at Cheesecake Factory in Frisco and living in the budget suites. Mm -hmm. It was a huge eye opener. Um, So I immediately wanted to get back into production somehow, some way. Uh, ended up meeting some people in the production world, and and uh, actually the the gentleman who produces this podcast, we we worked together on some things. Yeah, um, and we we kind of helped put, build out a, a really cool production company. We did a lot of neat projects together. Super cool guy, very talented. Um, KP, holla, KP mm-hmm. in the house in the Gotta building. Gotta love Kevin. Gotta love Kevin. So we got to do a lot of neat things, and you know uh, the way that it really came about it was 2019, and no 2018, 2017. 2017. 2017, one of our last clients to work on together was a a home energy efficiency company, but they didn't have a window department. Mm. They did everything else energy efficient, but no
0: windows. Insulation. Insulation, radiant barrier,
1: HVAC, uh, solar attic fans, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. spray foam. Yeah, But they didn't have a window department. So we were producing their marketing videos and and such like that and got to know the owner. And it's like, well, hey, you need to meet my dad. My dad's got this little side hobby thing. And then so I started really researching benefits of energy-efficient windows just for my own knowledge because, yeah. you know, we were dealing with an energy efficiency company. I kind of needed to know what was up. Mm-hmm. And then the more I studied it, I'm kind of like a science nerd. I've always been really interested in how things work, uh, the universe, the, you know, atoms and molecules and this and that and blah, blah, blah. It's always been an, uh, a cool thing for me to study. So the more I understood insulated glass units and argon gas and how the window actually strongly benefits everything about the home I started to get infatuated with it and then at the time all of these apps were coming out business owners make your own marketing videos so I was scratching my head oh my gosh selling commercials is getting a whole lot harder Mm -hmm. businesses are lowering their video budgets Um, I could see kind of a trend and I just met my now wife at the time and You know, so I was kind of started thinking more long term, like, okay, I'm going to be raising a family. What could I do? Uh, Once I learned how beneficial windows are and what kind of like the target demographic is, the more I drove around Dallas, the more I could not unsee windows, man. Mm. Everywhere I looked, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's my daughter's college education. Mm hmm because it's such a it's not going to go away. Well, in
0: Texas especially, oh, man, we get yeah. we get this intense heat and, and not yeah. not intense intense cold, but there's those days yes. where it's, you know, 20 yeah. degrees for a week and it's like those windows, they got a they go through the ringer in Texas.
1: Absolutely. So that's that's when I decided. I was like, well, this is what I want to do. You know, my my grandfather did some things in Dallas. I would I told I told my dad, it was just a hobby for my dad. It wasn't even an LLC. Mm. It was just something he he did for fun, Crazy. so I told him, I said, "Dad, I think I want to partner with you, start an actual LLC, put our last name on it in honor of Granddad. Mm-hmm. We called him D Daddy in honor of him, and actually build like a a, a, a business yeah. that provides jobs and impacts the community, and that way we can build out some you know an office and and do it right, so you and I can play more golf together,
0: I or like spend that. more
1: time together yeah. in the latter years. Because if 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 you if you don't have systems and processes and, and you do everything in your business, you don't own a business. No,
0: you have a job. You
1: have a 20 jobs. Yeah. And that's a, a a hobby that takes all of your time. And if Absolutely. you, if you can't walk away, I, I, I was, I've had so many talks with my dad. He's like the window business. And I'm like, it's not a, it's not a business. If we can't walk away and it's still run, it's not a business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a hobby that yep. we make money off of. And I want, to have a cool business that gives back to the community and yeah. provides some jobs absolutely, and, and we can make a bigger impact. So since 2019, we started the LLC and it's grown exponentially. And, you know, during, during that time is when I kind of, I had a slip, I had to go away is when I had to go to that program in 2020. And um, that's when I really turned every, uh, turned everything around, really started to turn everything over to God and uh, understand my, my smallness yeah. and everything uh ego like when I say recovery I'm talking about ego recovery mm-hmm. trauma recovery know-it-all recovery yeah. big shot ism recovery just that whole idea of I'm in control of everything mm-hmm. just tore me down and just turning it all over to what I call God you yeah. know um I, I I call it Jesus whatever you want to call it uh, mm-hmm. That's a figure I can make friends with. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And for me, like I want to have a relationship with the thing that's helping me. Like I want to be able to talk to it. And, yeah. You know, with that at least I have a face. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm like, what's up, homie? Like, I, I need help. Yeah. I can't do this crap. And I, I tell you what, man. It, it's been since then, since partnering with Dad and having to go through that program, and and now, um, you know, my my uh, my wife. She was. Uh, she's never been in trouble a day in her life. She was on her way to grad school um, with her uh, a degree in counseling. She just graduated from UNT, and when I was incarcerated going through that program, mm-hmm. she ended up uh, behind the wheel in a blackout, and and got in a wreck and killed someone.
0: Oh no! So, so was she intoxicated? Yeah. Oh. She yeah. was
1: out with friends and drank too much, and she doesn't remember leaving the restaurant and woke up in the hospital uh, handcuffed to the bed with a broken foot and had no idea what happened. There's two cops staring at her like she was the worst person in the world. Jeez. And uh, that happened when I was, when I was locked up and, and,
0: and she was pregnant. No.
1: Not so I, we got pregnant when I, I was locked up 17 and a half months mm-hmm. between County and having to go to the program.
0: Okay. This so, is in
1: 2020, 2020, 2021. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the whole time, um, the whole time I was incarcerated, she was out on bond. her her aunt had figured out how to get her out after she'd been there for three months. We just started talking every week. She started going to, you know, a program and working on herself. I was in there working on myself we were we were on the fritz, man. I mean, going into it, we were getting a divorce. Like, yeah. I hadn't even talked to her in three months mm-hmm. at that point in time. I didn't even know she got in a car accident until a month after it happened. My dad didn't Crazy. know how to tell me, you know? Yeah, that's not an <laughs> easy
0: thing it, to tell someone.
1: Yeah, especially you know, I'm there for that, which could have been me mm-hmm. so many times. Yeah. And so many people, like, I don't care what people say. Like, people go to happy hour. They have a few drinks. They get behind the wheel. You're over the legal limit, bro. Like. Mm-hmm so oh, many people do it. I've
0: seen it more in Texas than anywhere. Oh. Shocking how many people drive intoxicated. And and, oh,
1: yeah. And the moment an accident happens, though, all the labels come out. Yeah. It's, it's all cool and fine and dandy until you hurt somebody, and then yeah. you're evil and you need to go to hell. Like yeah. That's what people were saying about my wife online. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. But anyways, we, we just started talking every week. We talked once a week. My friend mailed me the book Five Love Languages. Mm. I read it, and it opened up my eyes to so many things about where I was wrong in the relationship. I was working on ego. She was out there working on ego. And as we talked, it was like we were separate, developing ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we were having better conversation. And we were like, wait a minute. What if we are right for each other, but we don't know that because we've never both been healthy at the same yeah, time? absolutely. So we just had a real adult conversation for the first time. This was in <laughs> 2021. It, real adult conversation like, hey, what if, you know, we're legally married so let's try this out. Yeah. You know, um, what if we are right for each other? Mm-hmm. And if we're not, if we fi- if we decide we're not, yeah, we can just amicably split, be friends, support each other, whatever. Mm-hmm. So when I got out in October 2021, I had to go to a halfway house for two months. So I really got out Christmas morning. I walked out of the halfway house Christmas morning at night. That's a pretty
0: good Christmas. Yeah.
1: With a certificate in my hand, yeah. seven different certificates actually, and mm. a GED. I got my GED when I was in That's that awesome. program. That's awesome. Good yeah. for you, man. Congrats. And so, like, I, I came out. I got a little apartment. My sister was helping my dad kind of keep the business afloat while I was. In because my dad didn't know how to do the window ordering software or anything yeah. like that, so mm-hmm. I literally trained my sister over the phone from prison. From prison, that is on freaking how to sell windows. University, yeah, right there, How to there, sell baby. windows? How to connect with customers? How to order the windows? How to deal with the installs? And she stepped up in a major freaking way. That's
0: awesome. I um, love that.
1: Yeah, it was really crazy. And so when I when I came out, got a little apartment. Um, my 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 wife was still out on bond. She was awaiting court. Yeah. Um it was December of 2021. Um uh, and uh and we had 3 weeks together before she had court before trial. Yeah, and she got sentenced 8 years in <sighs> January of 2022. And during that 3 weeks is when we got pregnant. <laughs> Crazy. We'd had 3 miscarriages in the past, so mm-hmm. this baby is a complete
0: miracle. Miracle. Absolutely.
1: And um we named her Everly Sage sage because she's the the one that is going to cleanse our spirit is kind of i love that the play on the name but it's been uh it, it's been it's been wild man and, and so since what,
0: she's got like six more years
1: well yes on the actual sentence mm-hmm. um she's eligible for parole in uh two more years she's actually eligible for parole on everly's third birthday
0: that's great yep. so
1: she's in a great program uh, she is in a entrepreneurial development program. That's there, perfect. Yeah, there's only yeah. one unit. My my wife wants to be a counselor. She was in school for you know being a
0: therapist. It's still business though. Yeah, if you're gonna be a therapist, it's business. A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. So she was. Uh, she's actually in what I call the Taj Mahal of Texas prisons. They're <laughs> south of Austin. They've got air conditioning. They've got oh, all the man. good classes. There They've you got go. a lot of people don't know. Hardly any prisons in Texas have have air conditioning. Yeah
0: it's horrible. It's it's like not having te- ac in Texas in the summer, that's like third world status. Like I mean 110 with 80% humidity, misery.
1: Misery and metal everything. Yeah. So, say that to say, you know, that's it, it's been um uh it, it's been wild, it's been an adventure, that's a, that's a ride, but uh, you know, the the business is in a, a really cool place right now. I've I've got some, you know, new partners that that kind of came in on the investor side and, and and help and helping out with building the systems and processes with me to handle all the operations. So I can just be, you know, sales, sales manager, train up some new sales guys. And uh, it, it's fun because that's what I love to do. I love to help the homeowner um, first and foremost. And I want to stay true to that mission and mm-hmm. that vision and teach our guys the, the same principles of, you know, uh, doing things right the first time, genuinely helping and caring, and providing uh, a providing a service in a product that's going to help that family be more comfortable in their own home. I love it. Uh, be able to enjoy their atmosphere better. You know, stuff like that. So.
0: How um, I love that! Like, so I, I liked the window thing, but I love that you taught your sister how to do it through the phone in prison. Like that is <laughs> that is awesome, man. Um, and your dad, too, you know, he had to step up and do his best, and you guys made it all work, and now you're back, and it sounds like things are thriving, and man, that's that's an amazing story. It's like a comeback story.
1: It's, it's been crazy. You know, dad's retired now. He was diagnosed with dementia about six months ago. Sorry to hear that. We're, we're dealing with the early stages of that, and, you know, my, my sister is now doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which she's, she's landed the perfect dream scenario for her. She's a uh, she's a she's a yogi. She's a, a Reiki master. My mom's also a Reiki. That's cool. Reiki healer. So mm-hmm. she's uh, she's real tied into a spiritual community here in Dallas. And now she works uh, with Susie Batiz, who created poopery.
0: Really? Yeah. yeah That's she's really her cool. personal assistant now. That's super cool. Yeah.
1: So they're tied in. They got a lot of the same spiritual community, and they they do uh, you know yoga stuff and and all these all these cool spiritual things that my sister loves and love it. So now she's transitioned over into that and. You know, I've got these partners and we're working hard to continue the mission of uh, helping homeowners. Yeah, there's Fallon a lot County. of it,
0: too. Do you. Um, so let's just talk sales for a couple of minutes and we'll wrap up here. Sure. But when you get into a homeowner's home, what what are like, is it do you have a process you work through or is it just you just talk to them, build a relationship? How does that go?
1: I really just talk to them and build a relationship, you know, for the, f- the first few minutes, at least just building on common interest, mm-hmm. uh, connecting now, especially now that I'm a father. Yeah, I find that I can connect differently with these homeowners now that I'm a father, their father, whatever we can. It's a different type of small talk. Yeah, absolutely. It's a different type of connection. You mm-hmm. know, I can understand it now. Yeah. Uh, before I was like, yeah, I'm going to sell them some windows. But yep. now it's like, no, I just want to connect. I'm wanting to help this person genuinely. So really, that, that's it. You know, we don't we're, – we're different in that there's a lot of window companies. And really, you know, they all kind of have the same method. They'll, they'll show up with all these, with a booth, and you, the husband and wife both has to be there, and they'll hold you captive for four hours and mm-hmm. do all these things. It's just not necessary. And, and I people can't stand it. Yeah. Like, I, I hear that all the time. Like, man, I had – blankety blank company in here and they they held me hostage for four hours one lady told me she almost called the cops on them because they just they wouldn't leave crazy they wouldn't leave
0: that's crazy
1: so really all i want to do is since our target demographic is so specific you know your home 15 years or older brick home single family metal builder grade window we know without a shadow of a doubt once it hits 15 to 17 years old based on how our Land breathes and stuff. We know the problems that are that yeah. are going on in the home. Mm-hmm. So when I just highlight them, like I know you're probably experiencing this, this, and this. I mean, it's inevitable. And they're like, "Yeah, how'd you know?" I'm like, "Well, because that it's inevitable yeah. in, in this style home. And this this is the solution. These are all the benefits. Mm-hmm. We're we're local. We're, we're family owned. Our our fa- our factory's local. Service is great. Our installers are ours. They're sober, happy people. You're not gonna find beer cans in your bushes." Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can trust you can trust who's working yeah. on your home. Like you can't put a price tag on that. One yep. of our installers has been with us since '97.
0: That's amazing,
1: and he's a, he's an amazing guy. Does great work. Mm-hmm. Uh, him, his stepson, um, and uh, this this other young kid's on the team named Parker, and they're just a solid team. They do great work. Like, I love that. So I just keep it simple.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you are doing some. Uh, so first of all, what what I've found with sales is the most important thing that someone can do in sales. Is authenticity, mm-hmm. like especially now, we were talking earlier about all the media we can consume now, and with that, I feel like people's ability to sniff out um, people who are inauthentic in any format is just like our awareness of that has gone way up, right? Because we see so many inauthentic things all the time. Mm-hmm. So when someone's authentically uh, authentically approaching something, they can appreciate that and they they can resonate with that. And when your sincere desire is to help them to have comfort in their home, which is a real thing. Like I've been very uncomfortable in homes in Texas because of the changes in temperature and all these different Uh things. Like it's a real thing, what you're talking about and being able to solve that problem for them and then genuinely caring about them. Like that's something that gets lost in sales. Like there's this wolf of wall street mentality. Like, yeah, we're going to make money. It's a boiler room. We're going to like, that happens all the time. And not to say that people shouldn't make money. There can't be amazing salespeople. All that stuff. But if the motivation for it is inauthentic or disingenuine, like it's, I feel like it's, it's always going to catch up to you. Like yep. the Wolf of Wall Street, that movie, everyone loves it. But how does it end? Ends with the dude in prison. Yep. It's for a very gonna long ca- it's time. It's always going to catch up with you. It will catch up yeah. with you, always. and the, the culture that he created and cultivated caught up with him. It all caught up with him. Now, I'm not slamming Jordan Belfort. He's an amazing salesman. But I think he would say, too, today that the way he went about that was wrong. Oh. And, you know, going about it in that right way, because I've done it for money, too. Like, I think almost everybody does before they have that, you know, they, they come out of the trenches. And for you, the trenches were a little deeper than most. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as, as you yeah. come out and you go through Over that recovery, because everyone has to go through their own recovery. We have this ego that, that we build as, as we grow. And at some point, we have to confront that ego. And once we confront it, then what happens on other side is recovery, yep. as you called it. So once you have that realization that you really can improve someone's life and make money doing it, like that's where it's like, ah, mm-hmm. this is it. This is what I'm looking for. It's how do I fix their problem? And we, we got to make money to stay in business to fix other people's problems. So how do we do both of those things? And, you know, you're doing it in this way through windows and, um, You know, one of the ways that we do it is, I was talking to our team today about this, and it's like, you know, we're going in and we're buying these apartment complexes that are slums Mm -hmm. disgusting places to live. Like you could walk in, like I actually had this happen with, once you walk through a lot of really gross homes, your body kind of acclimates to it and you get better about it. And I've Mm -hmm. been in a lot of disgusting homes. And, um, I was with a guy, we were walking a 24 unit apartment complex. I was with a guy who didn't typically go into those and he made it, I'll give him mad credit. He made it about 16 units. But at unit 17 or 18, he started throwing up. Really? That bad. That bad? Just the smell. He didn't touch anything. Oh. He didn't fix anything. But the smell is that pungent. Like we are in a home where his family had a dog in a crate in the kitchen. And there was dog crap. The crate was full of crap. And there was dog crap all around it and pee. And and that had been there for a very long time. And they're all sitting in there on the couch watching TV 10 feet away from it. Like it's not even there.
2: Oh, and my gosh. It is.
0: It was disgusting. And that was one of many and it's like when you first of all i feel bad for the dog right like Ooh, poor dog yeah. like a uh, big dog in a tiny crate you got to let that guy out man and it's like you well, see yeah, all this stuff like, and it's, it's like, like that's
1: a prison sentence waiting to happen oh yeah
0: that's i mean that's terrible. yeah well it's, it's, you know rural community where that kind of thing isn't right. so close, closely watched they got other problems right and course. so but going in and you know removing those situations like that the apartments hadn't had pest control in who knows how long I mean, roaches everywhere, bed bugs, termites. I mean, fleas. You name it, all of it.
2: Wow.
0: And it's like going in and cleaning all that out, and then putting new floors and new cabinets in, new counters in, new backsplashes in, new paint, new roofs on the properties. They're not leaking anymore. You know, new HVACs in every single unit, um, and new windows. I was just about to say new, window. no win- new windows. No, new windows. All all of those things together, and then we give people a great place to live. We remove the drug activity and the crime from the community, and. You know, on that project, we'll make over a million dollars. Wow! Like that's great. And same thing with you. Like doing yep, these windows, cool. you're finding a way to solve these problems for people, and making money doing it. And it's something that you truly believe in. You really feel good about. And it's like that. That that's what you got to find. Once you find that, and you figure out how to how to win at that, man, this becomes a lot of fun. Oh yeah, super rewarding.
1: And we've got some really cool local partners too. Because we're we're predominantly Collin County. I mean, we'll mm. serve all of Dallas, but. Uh, mckinney frisco allen plano yeah area you know that's t-
0: allen perfect, and plano is your that's that is that's your avatar right there yeah and, and even some of mckinney and frisco and we've
1: got some but, uh, we've got a partnership with Spraynet, uh dallas fort worth they're a custom chemistry smarter painting is their tagline okay and they basically do uh, cabinets and they also spray whether it be you know um gutters uh brick but they have a whatever they're painting um, the paint is chemically designed for that surface. So it actually stains it on a molecular level.
0: So of like uh, it yeah, bonds with it. It bonds with rather it. Rather than yeah. just so being a layer brick. on top of it. Yeah, right. so it's, Painting it's, cabinets, it's really, a big really issue deep. that we have with painting cabinets is, you know, they get bumped. And mm-hmm. once they get bumped, the paint scrapes off they look like crap. Yep. So that would be an awesome solution. Uh, yeah. And I it, love that. The,
1: the spray transforms it to a factory finish.
0: That's incredible.
1: And it's 15-year warranty on it, too. Wow. Yeah, it's really It's got to be legit if they're offering that, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, it's a really it. cool franchise. And uh, my, my good buddy and partner, they he's got all the local DFW franchises. Cool. Um, so we're, we're tied in with them. And, and also, uh, you know, like some rubber surfacing um, for the pull deck. Uh, you know, transform the concrete into yeah. a, a rubber surface, a soft rock. Um, so, you know, we've got some some cool partners in Collin County that we're really kind of just wanting to help the overall condition of the home and make it more comfortable and, and tolerable on all levels. So it's really cool to be able to get to a place of, of serving the community. Yeah. Kind of how I envisioned from the beginning. And it just getting cooler and more effective. Yeah, it's sort of like you're you know? flipping
0: a home without owning it. Like you're right. providing all these different things that make it a much more enjoyable environment. Yeah. And, you know, we do the same thing. When we flip homes. It's it's a little different, but similar, similar outcome. Yeah. So I love it. Well, thanks so much for coming on today, man. Yeah, I really love it. Having, appreciate man. the the story. I mean, man, if coaching someone from prison, uh <laughs> That's, that's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. I love it. It's, so it's appreciate coming on. Yeah.
1: It's, it's been a blast, man. Hopefully I can come back and, and chop it Yeah, up I'd love to,
0: lo- love to hear more about, I'll, I'll love to talk more about sales next time. Cool. So appreciate yep. it. Thanks All ton. Right. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us on the pursuit of prosperity podcast until next time.